0: this recording begins with a reading of the gospel of the day that will be followed by the homily from father paul o'brien the lord be with you
1: and with your spirit
0: a reading from the holy gospel according to luke glory to you o lord some sad to cease those who deny that there is a resurrection came forward and put this question to jesus saying teacher Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married a woman, did not but die childless. Then the second and the third married her. And likewise, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died, Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, the children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to obtain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God, because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is no God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. November is the final month of the church's liturgical year. Sunday by Sunday and day by day during, during November, we hear readings at Mass about some of God's biggest revelations to us, ultimately through Jesus, about the final things. Final things meaning the end of our earthly lives when we die, about the eventual eventual conclusion of human history, about the possibility of eternal life after earthly death. These truths are not to be taken for granted. You and I easily can take them for granted, particularly if we've been raised from the time that we're young, believing in Jesus. In, one, in many ways, this is Christianity 101. If you hear these truths and reflect on them in this upcoming month and you say, I really do believe all of this, blessed are you, that's something for which to be grateful. Many people on this planet, most people on this planet have not yet heard the good news that Jesus reveals about the final things. Many baptized Christians do not believe these truths, either because they've never processed them or just as a reflection of limitations. So to borrow from what St. Paul says in that second reading, the word of the Lord must speedily move forward and it must be glorified by us. These truths need to be shared with people in word and action. They're not just for us, they're for everybody. That our Jewish spiritual ancestors, so the the readings, by the way, today this gospel reading is going to be straightforward about life after death, and then there's something quite dramatic that we're invited to consider based on that first reading. Many of our Jewish ancestors, probably most of our Jewish ancestors, no one really knows for sure, at the time of Jesus did not believe in eternal life after death. You and I as Christians can read thousands of references in the Old Testament to eternal life, but that's because we're reading it with the eyes opened to the truth of Jesus. In fact, probably not that many people, Jewish people, faithful people before Jesus teaches so clearly about eternal life really believed in this. One of those groups in Judaism is called the Sadducees. The Sadducees are people in Jesus' time and place, again, faithful Jewish people who absolutely reject the possibility of eternal life after earthly death. Jesus teaches constantly, 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 constantly about heaven, about eternal life after earthly death. So they are sincerely offended by Jesus. They think what he's teaching is ridiculous. And the passage, that's the background to the passage we just heard from Luke 20. So some of these Sadducees, again, presume that they are they're, they're mocking Jesus here, but presume that they are sincerely mocking him. They come up with a scenario. As they understand it, which is true, from an earthly perspective, for life to continue on this earth, men and women come together in marriage and they procreate. They give birth to, women give birth to children. That's the way life continues on this planet. So they say, here's the scenario, Jesus, I'm paraphrasing here, in this eternal life, in this resurrection from the dead, there is a man who marries a woman, they don't have children, according to a Jewish tradition, which is very common in Jesus's time and place, because two families come together and are going to continue, presumably through marriage and procreation, the husband dies and the woman has not had a child, his brother is expected to marry her and have children so that these two families that have come together will continue. Imagine this. Imagine you have to marry your brother in law and your sister in law. I mean, your spouse is bad enough. But so, anyway, scenario seven brothers marry the same woman, one after another. She doesn't have children with any of them. She dies childless. So the question is, Jesus, in this eternal life, whose wife is she because she married all seven of them again they are presuming someone's got to be her husband in heaven for this famous eternal life to be experienced Jesus loves these people he's very gentle with them and he's very straightforward he explains to them that they are thinking understandably in human terms on this planet, you do need procreation for life to continue. In heaven, that's not the case. In the resurrection of the dead, eternal life comes from God. God is eternal life. Once you are united with God in eternity, procreation is not needed for life to continue. Do you get this? They have a really good question, even if they're mocking him, and he explains eternal life is eternal union with God. By the way, you're not getting out of these marriages. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say that marriage and family dissolve when we go to heaven. So if you're thinking, oh, how many more years? You've got to presume eternity. How this all works out, we can speculate, but there's a lot of mystery in this. So in that passage, so eternal life is much greater, infinitely greater than our experience of life on this planet. There is one key connection, Jesus says, in his reply to those Sadducees and to us today between our very real earthly lives and eternal life. He says in there that people are deemed worthy of eternal life. So again, I hope we all get this in all of Jesus' teaching. There is no such thing as a ticket to heaven. There is no such thing as automatic eternal life. We are judged by God whether God gives us the gift of eternal life. God deems us either worthy or not worthy. Fundamentally, the choices we make to say yes to God in our daily lives on this planet are the basis on which God hopefully gives us the gift of eternal life. And Jesus teaches over and over with absolute clarity the choices we make to reject God, to say no to God on this planet in our real lives are the basis on which God may say no to our eternal lives in heaven and God would deem us worthy of eternal death. We're going to exist eternally, either with God and everyone who's with God in heaven or apart from God and everybody who's with God in heaven. It's called hell. Those are the only two possibilities for our eternal existence, eternal life or eternal death. Death is not lack of existence Death is separation from God and everyone who's with God. We are going to exist eternally one way or the other. So that's Christianity 101. To repeat, this word of the Lord must go forward speedily. It must be glorified. Do you get this? Everyone needs to know this truth. If you and I have had this revealed to us and we believe it, we have to share it with other people. So second part of this is, I find it really interesting that the church holds up on this Sunday in that first reading a very dramatic example, which, thank God, doesn't apply to all of us directly, of the passion, I will not be silenced by batteries, the passion that can be, thank you, the passion that can be involved in these choices for God and against God. So the first reading is from the second book of Maccabees in the Old Testament. This is one of the final written books of the Old Testament. It's written probably about 100 years before Christ. It's an example, it has examples of our Jewish ancestors who actually did already believe in life after death in heaven before Jesus fully revealed this truth. So this really took place in human history. The very evil, in terms of how he lives, king of Syria, has occupied Palestine. He's doing what brutal dictators often do. He's trying to break the religion of the people he's invaded. So hopefully that will break their national unity. So he's trying to force our Jewish ancestors to renounce the one true God. He doesn't believe in the one true God, but he hates the one true God. He wants people to renounce their faith in the one true God so that he will break them, break their lives, break their nation. The situation in that passage, 7th chapter of 2 Maccabees, there is a mother, a Jewish mother, with seven sons, all of them people of faith. They are told, with lots of other people, by the king, you must either eat pork, which violates Jewish law, or you will be viciously tortured and killed. I really do invite you to read the seventh chapter of the second book of Maccabees this week. Warning, sincere warning. It is brutal. I mean, it's, it's shocking. And this really did take place. I invite you to read the whole thing. Seven brothers and the mother. Just in the verses we hear, look at these people. This is not about pork, and it's not about traditions of ancestors. It is that these people accept what he's saying, If you eat the pork, you renounce God. They believe that their entire existence only comes from God. They believe that every good gift they have physically, materially, relationally, in terms of being a family, spiritually, all of those are only gifts from God. They have to make the choice. If they say yes to eating the pork, they say no to God. If they say no to eating the pork, they say yes to God. Listen to what they say. Just in the verses we heard, these people say, one son says, you want to chop off my hands? You want to cut off my tongue? Go ahead, because they're gifts from God, and I hope that God will give them back to me in eternal life. You want to kill me? Kill me. My life is a gift from God, and I believe he will give it back to me in eternal life. You want to kill me, I say yes to God, God wins, I win, and you lose. And one of the brothers says directly to these torturers, you are going to lose eternally because of the evil that you're doing. I mean, look at those people. They are so clear-headed, they're so strong, they are so filled with God, they're so united in the truth with one another. I want to be like those people. I want to be a person who, knowing that eternal life is real, with whatever passion is involved in this, will say yes to God. I invite you to consider two areas, and I'll conclude with this specifically this week. Number one, around the world in 2022, there are hundreds of millions of Christians who live in places where the persecution of Christians for their faith is very high, and where unless they renounce their faith, our faith, they will be arrested, they will be abducted, they will be imprisoned, they will even be killed. There's a group I respect that every year analyzes, it's like a matrix of 80-something reality points, analyzing countries for persecution of Christians. The most recent report from this group, and I really do respect is that there are 50, five, zero countries on this planet in 2022 in which persecution of Christians is very high or extremely high. Imagine being a Christian in North Korea, or in Afghanistan, or in Pakistan, or in Somalia, or in Yemen, or even in Nigeria, where some of us are from. Imagine being a Christian today in parts of India where you may be killed unless you renounce your faith in Jesus. I invite you to remember those brothers and sisters this week, hundreds of millions of people. We really are connected through prayer. We really can help people with our prayer. And to take from what St. Paul says in that second reading today, to people who are going to be persecuted, to pray that God give these people strength and courage and hope and endurance and protection, and ultimately, freedom from perverse and wicked people. That's an active thing we can do this week. Secondly and finally, I invite you to not be dramatic about this because I think there's too much drama in this country these days. Certainly in our history as Americans, there has never been a time where there have been more people who very consciously, very thoughtfully, very directly persecute people in this country because they refuse to renounce jesus and his teachings the reason i encourage you to just be realistic is i think there are lots of people in this country who see persecution around every corner it doesn't help at all it becomes hysterical and it lines people up against one another but the truth is in this country It used to be that if I reject the teaching of Christ in the way you live your life, I would say you're stupid. I don't agree with you. I think you're ridiculous. But today, more and more, it's if you will even speak aloud in my family, at a family gathering, in this office, on this college campus, if you will not shut up and renounce your belief in these teachings of Jesus, I'm going to harm you. I'm going to harm you by turning away from you. I'm going to harm you by saying you're intolerant. Talk about upside down. I'm going to harm you by getting you out of here. We don't have much of this in Lawrence, thank God, because so many people really do believe in the truth of Jesus. We may not be living it, but we believe it. But it does not take a very long drive, like two minutes, to find yourself in a community where people want to cancel you if you will not renounce the truth of Jesus Christ. So I invite you to pray for everybody in this country of any Christian denomination who is making the choice to say yes, hopefully to be deemed ultimately worthy of eternal life, but to be the instruments of his truth today. Same prayer from that second reading. Endurance, courage, perseverance, strength, protection, and ultimately deliverance from perverse and wicked people. The truth of the Lord, the word of the Lord must speedily move forward from us and it must be glorified. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor
0: of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to SaintPatrickParish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.